Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Bolton eBikes podcast. I know that getting guests lately has been more challenging than in the past. Definitely in person guests are sparse, but we have one on the phone today. And not only is he a guest who can talk about electric bikes and things that are on two wheels that are electric, but he also has a podcast about this very subject. So very excited to have Brian from the Dirt E-Bike podcast on the show today. So once again, you're listening to the Bolton E-Bikes podcast. I'm Kyle, the host. Let's jump right into another episode. Thanks for coming on the show, Brian. Uh, Happy to have you here today. Hi, Kyle. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be on the Bolton E-Bike Podcast. (laughs) So there are not very many podcasts (laughs) about electric bikes. When I first started looking into podcasts and researching, yours was definitely one of the ones that has popped up. uh, And I have listened to quite a few of the episodes that you have out, actually. I'm just curious, where did all this get started? I mean, do you have e-bikes? You get into some things that are a little more powerful than most of the electric bikes that I often talk about. But what got you hooked on e-bikes? Because I'm assuming you're hooked if you have a podcast about it. Oh, I'm hooked. It all started with a dream, Kyle. A dream <laughs> of someone else pedaling my downhill bike for me. Because as about 20 years ago, I got my first downhill bike. And I loved everything about it. It rode like my motorcycles that I had in the past, but I could ride it on trails possibly through the park, through someone's yard. I could jump off something and nobody yelled at me or got upset with me. And and it was missing only one thing, that wee factor, the wee (laughs) that you get when something has a little bit of power to it. And, you know, I had just been forever. I just looked over all the different kits that came on, the stealth kit and everything else that was out there, just waiting. And at the time I'd lived in Vancouver, BC, where they have awesome trails, and really good like public transportation system, but also lots of rain. So I just didn't think e-bikes were right for me at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched them forever. And really, it was the time when I saw that you could actually take an e-bike off a jump. So I said, okay, that's it. I'm back in and I'm ready to get back in this. It's been about two years now that I've been just completely back infatuated with e-bikes and purchased my first e-bike this summer and just love talking about them. And also the electric motorcycle side as well. I'm very into that. Got it. Okay. So you bought an e-bike or did you buy a kit? What did you end up getting? Well, since I have a strong mountain biking background and I do a lot of kind of, I don't know if I'd call it extreme mountain biking, but I I ride black diamond trails and really kind of difficult stuff. So I wanted something really similar to what I was used to in the mountain bike space. So I ended up getting a, what did you call it? A standard electric mountain bike? Okay. Or not a kit. And I got uh, something from Comensal, the Meta Power 29. Okay, awesome. And have you been uh, doing all the same crazy stuff that you would normally do on a pedal bicycle (laughs) with that then? I'd say that and more. You know, so the purchase actually was very interesting. It's something that I share with my girlfriend, uh, my partner that I've been with for a long time. And we mountain biked in the past, but she didn't really have a full-on mountain bike. And when we switched, I said, well, why don't we split an e-bike so that when we ride together, you know, I ride on my standard bike, she rides on her e- on the e-bike, and we keep up and we're really at the same pace. And then when I want to ride it by myself, I'm able to do much longer rides uh, without getting as exhausted and my knees don't hurt afterwards, which is really sure. something I love with e-bikes. 
Okay, awesome. That's uh, <laughs> now. Do you get a little bit jealous though when she's riding the e-bike up the hills and you're trying to keep up, or is that just part of the fun? You just <laughs> that is what it is. I think it may depend on what point of the season because you know we have winter here, and I think I get a little. You know, I'm not in bicycle shape so much the beginning of the spring and kind of beginning of the riding season. I'm looking at her going, oh, I'm just dying here. And then, you know, <laughs> mid-season, I feel like I'm, I'm keeping up and I'm doing good. And then you know, we're back into winter again and I'm looking at different ways to stay fit. And, you know, honestly, sure. in the future, we'll probably have two e-bikes because I'm jealous sometimes of that wee factor. Like we went out riding in the snow yesterday and I was like, I went and rode the e-bike first. And I was like, man, that's really fun. Yeah. And we went out together and I rode my normal bike and I was like, Eh, not as much fun. <laughs> <laughs> snow can be a little bit difficult. We've got a lot of snow on the ground here right now. And uh, I was just taking one of the bikes out, uh, testing it out and having a lot of fun with it. And it worked great. But I know if you got to pedal through the snow, it, it's a workout and it's going to be a little bit difficult to maintain traction and everything. So yeah, I definitely know know where you're coming from. My, my toes are still a little froze right now <laughs> from being outside earlier this morning. Yeah, you guys are getting a lot of snow right now, aren't you? So it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. We had uh, somebody drive up a customer with their bike uh, to do a little maintenance and, you know, from out of town. And they're like, oh, we came all the way here. The roads were clear. We get within a mile of your shop because we're kind of up on a hill. And then it was like, couldn't even get in through the gate because they were just dumping snow when they were here. So makes things interesting. We got to always keep life interesting. So good news, you can still ride e-bikes in the snow, though. Um, so the snow is not, you really can. And that's one of my favorite parts this winter of discovering of having a, an e-bike through the winter, uh, is that it's so much fun on snow. And I'll bet a lot of the Bolton e-bikes would be really fun, especially with the fat tires, <laughs> but that really helps. Yes. The fat tires, uh, just about any fat tire bike can do it. Two wheel drive, uh, helps even more Been doing a lot oh, of tests with the, the Ubco two by two riding that around in the snow recently this week and that does surprisingly well so no, tires aren't as fat well, it does. but it just yeah the the weight of it the tire width it kind of almost sinks down to where the everything's a little firmer and and with the two-wheel drive it just kind of keeps on trucking through everything i haven't got it stuck yet that's what i <laughs> that's what i say well, but i'll keep trying yeah keep trying the two-wheel drive aspect is such a neat part of uh the upco and some of the different e-bikes out there as well Yes, uh, not a lot of them, and and in a lot of cases it doesn't really make sense. But in the setup in the right way, it, it really is a lot of fun. It does work well. Now I want to jump back a little bit the the podcast. So you were interested in e bikes. You got an e bike. I'm surprised you've lasted this long sharing one. <laughs> but then why why start a podcast about it? Well, there weren't any North American based podcasts about e bikes. I really wanted to reach out. You know, I realized that geographic location, I'm not going to meet as many fellow e-bikers. So this was also a way to build community. And mm -hmm. I wanted to build community in that area. And I'm just really excited about it. So I'm looking forward to being able to talk to people and kind of just witness the growth of this new part of bicycling. And I'm, I'm looking at your podcast episodes, just kind of scrolling through. Uh, and I see you've had Upcoat bikes on there. Uh, somebody from Super 73, somebody talking about uh, Saran bikes. I know you talk about those a lot on there. KTM Freeride. Go to Saran Talk. Just a whole bunch of different places. And, and it looks like a few people from various e-bike companies or just bicycle companies. All sorts of fun stuff. And a kind of a mix of 
the electric bike stuff with pedals and also not, you know, the Suron and the Upco and things that are a little more powerful uh, and get rid of the pedals. So a uh, good mix for anybody that's interested in any electric stuff. You definitely go check that out. Thanks. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a motorcycle enthusiast, but and a snowmobile enthusiast, and I kind of grew up in a whole power sports background. Mm-hmm. But at some point when I made the shift to bicycles, I just really enjoyed the lack of exhaust and the quiet. And yeah. that's something I still get with electric mobility out in the forest. I just really enjoy that clean, fresh air and the quiet that uh, electric mobility gives you. Awesome. And if you had a chance to ride many e-bikes, I know oftentimes with the uh, podcast and different things, you get to talk to a lot of people, but you don't always get the chance to, to test everything out. Uh, is there anything you're either you haven't ridden that you wish you could? Uh, maybe we can, you know, put our feelers out, see if we can make it happen. I'm just curious how what sort of connections so, that's brought out for you. I am fortunate that being here in Colorado and especially uh, pre-COVID, there was a lot of different demos and things. So I've been able to ride quite a few e-bikes and there's a cool e-bikes of Colorado shop here that had some really interesting bikes, uh, like some of the, the bikes coming out of Germany with the roll-off hubs and some different things. So I have and I've been able to ride some of the different main motor manufacturers, but you know, there's always things out there that I want to ride. I mean, honestly, an electric fat bike is something I haven't ridden and seeing how we're in the snow, that's something I'm really <laughs> excited to try more of. Also, I would really like to ride an Alta, which is like oh the yeah, highest echelon of electric motorcycles. I have ridden the KTM Freeride E thanks to a rider who has a YouTube channel known as Electric Cycle Rider, Tucker. He uh, let me demo quite a few different bikes that he takes and tests and does videos about. Cool. Well, and you know, there's also, I would like to ride some of the newer offerings from Specialized, which would be fun, uh, some of the different carbon fiber e-bikes. Although I'm kind of a big uh, aluminum fan, it'd still be fun to ride some of the different offerings. Definitely. There's uh, there's so many people asking me questions about how does this bike compare to that bike? And I feel like nobody could possibly ride every e-bike that is out there now. <laughs> You'd be riding a different bike every single day and you would never get to them all. There's just so many options. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, uh, I haven't tried any of the Bafang motors and some of the different uh, motor options out there. And so the I would like to try something of the higher wattage variety too. I mean, I noticed you guys have some of the thousand watt and seven hundred and fifty watt motors. How would you compare that to say a two hundred and fifty watt experience? You know, the the Wii factor that you described. <laughs> Wii Exactly. Like where it's fun and it's just like, you know, extra power and the bike's kinda going effortlessly. I feel like if you go from what wattage is the motor you have now? Is it a 250 watt like Bosch or Shimano? Yeah, it's just a standard class one. It's a Shimano class one. So that's okay. even a little lower on the torque. Okay. So, so you go on the Shimano and you ride a bike like that and it's like, wow, this is so much fun. It's so much easier than riding a regular bike. It's like, it's a bicycle, but it's just better. I can go further. I still get plenty of exercise, ton of fun. Right. And then you go look at a bike that, say, has like a Bafang Ultra 1000 watt. And at first glance, you might look at the bike and be like, oh, it still looks like a bike for the most part. Maybe not quite as sleek or integrated. So you can tell a little more that it's an e-bike. And you might go pick it up and be like, oh, that's that's a bit heavier than, uh, you know, something with the Shimano or one of those other popular 250 watt mid drives. But then you get on it and you start pedaling or use the throttle. And I feel like the Wii 
goes away and it goes to like a, holy cow, I got to hang on to this thing. <laughs> There's a lot of power there. So, so are, are you saying it goes from we to whoa? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, that was my other, my other thought on that. Yeah, it's like a whoa. That's usually the reaction people have when they get on one. Because I get the unique opportunity having our shop here that most people that come by our shop and test ride a bike, they've never ridden any bike before. So I can't even count or even begin to count how many people I've seen ride an electric bike for the first time. And the expression is almost always the same. They're just like, whoa, that was more powerful like than I expected. They have these expectations that it's going to help them, but it's still heavy, you know, and it has these trade-offs. But then they get on it and they're like, that was just so much more than I ever would have imagined like that it could be. And that's, thankfully, that's what sells the bikes is when, when people hop on it and they have that experience. They're like, that was just way too much fun. So it's, it's really interesting because it's a lot of the e-bikes that I offer are kind of stepping away from the seamless, make it as much as possible like a bicycle to, yeah, it's a bicycle and you can pedal but it's definitely an e-bike and it's definitely got more power than you could possibly put out. <laughs> so ho- so hopefully that how helps. How does that fit into the class system as far as uh, all your different bikes? Are they class two or three or where are they in that range? That is a very good question. So most of the bikes that I sell, and I'm thinking off the top of my head, I don't have a single bike actually at the moment that does not have a throttle. It just seems like if you, if you have a throttle, you have the option to use it, and it's nice to have it, but if you don't want to use it, then you don't use it. There's really no downside other than the class, because a class two is the only e-bike class that, by my reading of the rules, is allowed to have a throttle. A class one can only be, basically the motor can only be kicked on if you're pedaling, uh, and then the same thing goes for a class three. Um, but a class two can have a throttle, so you don't have to be pedaling if you don't want to. And then what we try and do is is limit everything when we send bikes out, so they're you know tuned down to twenty miles an hour, which is the class two limit. You know, and on certain models, we may even tune the power down. And if someone chooses to buy a bike and use it off road and turn the power up where it's legally allowed, then I say go for it. <laughs> but we, we try and have everything limited to a class two. There's some exceptions in there, things that can be, you know, some bikes you can unplug the throttle and you can reprogram it so you could easily make it a class three or even a class one. So you can kind of switch between classes. And the laws in some states are, are different, but at least in California, the law is such that you can legally change the class of your own bike. You're just supposed to change the label or sticker that's on the frame to correctly say what class it now is. So I don't see any any reason not to allow people that option. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, I uh, I'm assuming that the laws kind of differ from state to state. Yes, they certainly can. Margin? Most, and I have a very long detailed video on e-bike laws in the United States and what applies, you know, federally versus state level, and and each state does differ. Most states are adopting the same like class one, class two, class three regulations. Not all 50 states have caught on to that. I think California was the first, uh, and then several others followed shortly after. And it seems like every year, more and more are, are adopting it. And it just seems like a matter of time before most states will just be following the same 
basic rules. There's some slight changes between states, but most of them are doing basically the same thing. Cool to see that uh, there are options in that class too to be able to adjust the speed and such. I tried my first international class two bike last winter down in South America. I guess it was their summer. And it was actually really nice to have that option to just use a throttle and not pedal because it was about 100 degrees down there and <laughs> the breeze felt lovely. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, that's interesting how uh, internationally you see, especially in Europe, it's all 250 watts as the uh, maximum limit. But there's some talk about other categories above that that's kind of in between an e-bike and a motorcycle in Europe. So there might be some things that can go faster. You know, here in the U.S., we've got kind of the in-between, which is like the moped category, which is where some of the UBCO bikes fit in. I hope that one day there's something else in there, too, that's like not a motorcycle, but can go faster than an e-bike. And somehow that's legal, because I know there are things like the the Suron and things like that that you can kind of try and register it as a moped, but they're really too powerful and too fast, but... They're not really quite a full-fledged motorcycle, so it's like the technology is is ahead of the current laws in a way. And I'm sure you're you're seeing that the bikes are just getting better and better and faster and faster, especially from all the the people you've been talking to. Yeah, you make a great point there. Uh, I feel that the bikes are evolving much faster than the laws, and hopefully, we'll get more clarity in the laws so that the bikes can kind of move within those spaces, and so that people can use these bikes for travel. And I'm commuting too i hope like for short commute it would be great to have electric bikes and electrical mobility that's fast enough to keep up with traffic and be safe in that respect Mm -hmm. but not really a highway vehicle right that's like uh like there's a lot of neighborhood type roads that are like 35 mile an hour speed limits it seems like but an e-bike isn't allowed to go quite that fast 28 is the max for a class three a moped is supposed to max out at 30 So you're doing like five to seven miles an hour slower than the flow of traffic. And you could just go a little bit more, you know, and maybe those are things where, you know, helmet laws are a little bit different. That's something I've thought about a lot. You know, e-bikes on average go faster, you know, so people may want to have a more robust And they weigh more. (laughs) Yes, and they weigh more. It might take a little more room to stop. There's definitely some some safety things that people need to be aware of and, and address and treat it appropriately because they can go a bit faster. Totally agree. You know, with the e-bike, we got a new helmet to go with it that is uh, one of those, it's a full face and it has a removable uh, kind of the face guard as well on it. So yeah, we just really wanted to step up the helmet and, you know, it's nice because you're not sweating as profusely as you would on a normal bike. So it makes a little bit more protection comfortable. Yeah. I think some of the, the downhill style helmets that are, they're expecting that you might crash going, you know, 40, 50 miles an hour down a hill. (laughs) They are built to a higher standard than your typical bicycle helmet. I think things like that for e-bikes are just going to get more popular. I know a few years back, there weren't any like specific e-bike helmets, but I think that's starting to change and people are starting to kind of advertise towards that to some degree because they're, they're realizing that's a, that's a market that's coming up and coming. Well, it's already here, I think. I agree. (laughs) Yeah, the the burgeoning e-bike aftermarket product space, it's really happening right now. I mean, you see these little stickers on all the different parts, whether it's e-bike certified or their e-bike version. I really see that as an evolving space. So do you have anything uh, e-bike uh, specific you're getting into uh, aside from the podcast? 
well, it is my goal to do a few uh, e-bike enduro races. So that'll be interesting. I'm okay. 43. So, and I have a background of snowboard racing, and I kind of told myself that I didn't really want to be a competitor in that respect, but I really want to do it so that I can interview the athletes and really learn that part of it. You know, like I'm saying, I was an athlete and a competitor at a young age racing snowboards, and I think it'd be fun to do a few e-bike enduro. Okay, awesome. That is something I have thought about to some degree, doing some e-bike racing here and there. You know, the time, like, where do I find the time to do that? Uh, but it just sounds like so much fun. I'm like, kind of the, maybe a similar thought process. I'm like, oh, I don't have the time to really, like, train and be ready for, like, a mountain bike race like I would have when I was younger. But I still want to go have the fun and, you know, be part of the thing. And I think, yeah, so you enter an e-bike race where... Yeah, you're going to be competing against guys that might be super fit and have an e-bike, and they're going to blow right past you. <laughs> but, hey, it's still having fun. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how many more. I think this year, of course, with everything the way it is, uh, getting shut down kind of changed things. But hopefully when things open back up, we uh, we see the, the racing and everything continue the way it was and, and the e-bike races get more and more popular. Because it seems like every major event, they're having e-bike classes now, from what I've seen. Totally. I, I was sad that the Sea Otter Classic didn't take place this year. Cause yeah. I know in your area, that would be a, a really fun, neat one. Uh, I noticed that so the GNCC, which is the sanctioning body for motorcycle racing on the East Coast, has a full run of e-bike races. And they held them all summer this year. And I'm assuming they're going to happen next year as well. It's a little bit of travel. In this <laughs> yes. Time, but uh, something I'm considering. Yeah. You could just tell them to keep making their way west. <laughs> that, that would be great, wouldn't it? Come a little closer. At least as far as Colorado, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Yeah, one step at a time, I guess. We'll bug them about California next. Yeah, Sea Otter Classic is a a huge, huge one. Just from the times I've been, there's just mountain bikers everywhere. It's totally nuts. And uh, it's pretty interesting to see all the e-bikes at those events now that five years ago weren't even, like, allowed. (laughs) I was like, no. Uh, And now it's like, oh, well, here's some classes for you. And they're just, they're just you know showing up I've, like crazy. I agree. And it's really been exciting to see professional mountain bike racers really adopt and love their e-bikes. I see videos all the time of like a racer that I've admired and followed for a long time going for their first e-bike ride. And you hear them say over and over, oh, this is so fun. Oh, this is better than I thought it would be. Wow, I'm surprised. <laughs> right? Yeah, it is. Uh, and so, I, yeah, that's just so cool to see. Yeah, I think they're all they're all adopting it. And if there's any last few holdouts, they're they're not going to make it much longer. They're going to have to get an e bike soon. It just I don't think there's any avoiding it. If you're really into to cycling, it just an e bike fits in so many ways. There's just so many different things you can do with it. So ton of fun. No I reason really- not to. I agree. And I was really surprised to see the training advantage. So a lot of these riders, they'll really only go for a really tough ride once a week, maybe mm-hmm. twice. And then everything else that week really needs to be cool down rides and low heart rate rides. And the e-bike fits perfectly. in there. You can get training runs on downhill, ride up at a low heart rate, control that via power settings, and then uh, really get more experience on the downhills, which is what you need. And you don't have to rely on shuttles lift service, things like that. Yeah, it's only in the end, I think, just making people better riders overall. I agree. So what are you excited about next? Is there anything you feel like is missing in the e-bike industry that 
isn't quite there? Or is there anything you've heard about coming up that you're really excited about? Well, I'm a big Tesla fan. And <laughs> I've obviously been watching different things they roll out. I'm very excited to see their battery technology trickle down to the bicycle and the e-bike world. Yeah, I'm ready man. for lighter batteries. I'm ready for cleaner manufacturing of batteries, longer lasting. And can you imagine having a battery pack that could be pulled out and either maybe used inside your house or camping to run certain things, similar to the Oopco, but yep. utilizing the Tesla technology? That's hopefully something that is going to trickle down in the future or just lighter weight batteries in general. It's a real direction I'm hoping that EV trends towards. I'm excited about that as well. I'm being cautiously patient <laughs> about it. You know, I know some of these changes take time, but yeah, you're right with the, you know, Tesla's big battery day they think did a few months back and the new cells, they're more energy dense because of the construction. It is kind of weird to think that instead of like dozens and dozens of cells in an e-bike battery, like because the capacity is so much greater, I don't think they've released any specific specs that I'm aware of on like what voltage the cells are or anything, but it could be to the point where you only have like, you know, five or six cells in an e-bike battery one day instead of just dozens of these little cells. And like you said, that makes it lighter. Hopefully more power can be pulled from those. What I'm also interesting, you, you mentioned kind of the sustainability and things and I'm thinking if you have less cells, there's less connections, there's less to go wrong. It seems like it'll be a lot easier to repair these in the future if you're simplifying things. So I don't know how it's all going to work out. We're maybe a few years away before we start seeing cells that size in e-bike batteries. But I think there's a lot of interesting things that could happen with that. Uh, they would make them better for sure. I'd say the next thing that I, uh, I hope we see in evolution is, is it pertains to e-bikes, but it's not an e-bike itself, but it's being able to bring your e-bikes places, I think there's room for an evolution in the bike carrier, bike rack situation. Because e-bikes are heavier, mm. hard to find a bike rack that works right, and it's also hard to find a bike rack that makes loading and unloading them easy. You just mentioned that you know a lot of e-bike, or we've talked about how a lot of e-bike owners are older, and so lifting that bike up and off the rack, I think, is something that could be perfected. I agree with that, and I have... I've looked into that a lot. I wish that I had time to just dedicate to just develop something and have it made. I've had some different ideas on even how to do it. And no, nobody like email me and say, when is the Bolton e-bikes bike rack coming out? Like that's not <laughs> in the plan right now, at least. I've seen one uh, brand that's new that I want to go check out because they're kind of maybe upgraded a little bit better. There's a, there's a company called OneUp that, makes some really nice looking racks. Uh, and it looks like there's a new yeah, company. A yeah, there's a new company that's popped up that is the same guy who designed the one up originally, but it's a new and improved version, but totally different company. So I'm very interested. It looks like they've just started shipping those out to customers uh, recently. I kind of want to try one of those out. They're spendy. <laughs> and I think that's one thing that can definitely be improved upon a lot. You go spend two, three, four thousand dollars on an e-bike or a couple of e-bikes, and then you got to spend another seven, eight hundred bucks on a rack just to carry them around. But that's the cost of a quality product sometimes. So there's always, there's always a trade-off. But yeah, I think there's a lot of things that could be changed. I know buses and oft, often at times are not designed for the weight of e-bikes or fat tires. 
obviously the thing to do then is just skip the bus and just ride your bike. <laughs> but I've heard that Great. from from people, you know, and trains, all sorts of things. There's all sorts of travel issues with e-bikes that are going to have to be addressed here soon. And and one of the bigger ones I think too is is aircraft. If you want to travel across the country, like you said, if you want to go race your e-bike on the East Coast, you can take the bike on a an airplane and book a flight, but you can't take the battery. That kind of is a problem <laughs> that we need to figure out how to fix. It is a problem, and it, it's interesting in that airlines have had to deal with this from phones and laptops for a long time. And obviously, mm-hmm. we all remember about the Galaxy Note that exploded or, or had a thermal yeah. issue on, on the airplane. And uh, well, the last time I flew on an airplane, I was in the back, and I looked up at one of the cargo doors, and it said, lithium-ion containment bag. And so they do have these situations. So if somebody had their laptop on the plane and it started smoking, melting down, or whatever would happen if there was a short in there, they do have a bag that they could take and put it in there and it would exhaust the fire or situation and deal with it. I'm wondering if there's some type of lithium-ion containment-safe bags that could be utilized for safe shipping or travel in this battery space that we're in. I know there's little bags that pouches that people have developed uh, a lot for like the radio controlled hobby stuff lipo yeah, sacks exactly. and and yeah it makes sense that there should be something a little bigger and more robust for the size and capacity of an e-bike battery right now the limitation i think is still at like 100 watt hours so if your battery's over that size then it's not allowed on an airline and the only way i've thought of currently to get around that is to develop an entirely new battery setup that's modular so you could basically break the battery apart into smaller pieces so they all are underneath the limit. (laughs) That's a little bit more complicated to make happen, but it's a way that we could make it work. If you can take your battery and it pops apart into five different batteries, now it's legal and they're smaller pieces, so that should be safer because if something does go wrong, it's not going wrong with a battery that's so big. And that's, I think, where the big concern comes from is, you know, a cell phone or laptop battery, you know, that sounds like they have things in place to prevent an emergency situation from getting worse. But when the battery gets beyond a a certain size, it's just too big. You don't want to have a big fireball on an airplane, obviously. (laughs) Uh, And shipping ground trucks, we have the same, same things, you know, you got to have we do it here shipping batteries out. You got to have hazmat approved boxes and packaging and labeling and only certain carriers take them. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a little bit tricky to deal with sometimes. So I guess the other option would possibly be a battery rental program in each state that had a cycle of batteries. That they, but the other issue is there's a number of different batteries. Yeah. So that would <laughs> be an so expensive many. inventory for that business. It would. I, I wish in a way that somehow every e-bike manufacturer would get together and be like, hey, we're going to standardize something with the batteries so they're compatible. Because then you could make a rental thing possible. But instead, most e-bike companies are doing the opposite. And they're like, oh, this is our new battery design for this model of bike. It doesn't fit on last year's model. You know, a replacement's expensive. And they're, it's almost like some of them are doing it on purpose. Some of them may not. But some of them are like, oh, we're, we have this unique battery. So if you need a spare, you have to buy it from us. You can't buy it from a third party. Uh, and then some, in, some things are different just because they're actually improving things and they're making it better. And so I feel like there's a, there's a line where if you're changing a battery to make it better, 
personally, I'm okay with that. That's great. We should always be doing that. But at the same time, it'd be awesome if there was a standard of some sort so things could be swapped out, batteries could be rented. That would solve, I think, a lot of problems. And hopefully, by mass producing batteries among various manufacturers, we could drive the cost down as well. I don't think that's going to happen, but I can dream. <laughs> well, this kind of brings us full circle to where we were talking about Tesla's batteries. And it's possible if they become the battery manufacturer mm -hmm. and their batteries are better than a lot of others, there will either be retrofit kits or bikes that, are, that start to be being built to utilize those batteries in the future, which I'm hoping something like that happens and it's standardized. I think a cell like that that's as massive as they have would be super cool. And if you have, like I said, just several of those and you put those together, it makes sense that there's a lot of room for improvement. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm going to do my best to bug manufacturers and different people to hopefully nudge it in the right direction. Or who knows, maybe we'll build some bikes that use those things and we can get people to follow suit. I don't know. I agree. Well, awesome. Thank you, Brian, for coming on the show. I know you have a pretty wide range of information that we could probably cover on this podcast about e-bikes and motors and different brands that are out there. And it's just too much information to cover in one episode. So who knows, maybe we'll have you back on the show again. But for everybody that's listening, if you don't get enough from the Bolton e-bikes podcast and you are looking for more cool e-bike stuff, then yeah, go check out the Dirt e-bike podcast. And you might hear some familiar brands and things that I've talked about, but it's going to be from Brian's perspective. And he's going to talk about a lot of things that I haven't covered at all. So I'm just going to give you a shout out and say, everybody should go check it out. Like I said, I've listened to quite a few episodes and lots of good stuff can be found over there. Thanks so much, Kyle. I really appreciate it. And I hope I can have you on the podcast soon. I'd really like to do a deep dive into Bolton e-bikes, how you got started, your startup passion in the e-bike space. And I just, I'm excited to learn more about the different bikes that you offer. Awesome. Sounds good. And I, uh, I think that's something that can be arranged. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Thanks everybody for listening. If you are not on my email list, make sure to go to ebikepodcast.com. That's where you can sign up for notifications that go out every week on every Tuesday when new episodes come out. Occasionally we'll sprinkle in some details about things that are going on at Bolton eBikes. But again, ebikepodcast.com is the place to go if you just want to be on my email list and know when new episodes are coming out. Thanks again for listening, and I will talk to you on another Tuesday. Tuesday.